Welcome this morning. It is Pentecost Sunday, May 31st, 2020. We're celebrating Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all of God's people. It began in the Old Testament in a festival known as the Festival of the First Fruits. The festival of what we know as Pentecost was originally one of the two harvest festivals established by Moses to serve as a benchmark for the people of God. It gave them the opportunity to give thanks to him who redeemed them from Egypt, and also they gave thanks as the one who sustained them in their desert and route to Sinai were given the immense as people. The festival of the first fruits, which it's also known as particularly in the Old Testament, up until the giving of the Holy Spirit, from whence we know it as the day of Pentecost, marked the beginning of the harvest. On that day, the harvest began when the first swing of the sickle cut down the first fruits, and the people of God stopped to give thanks for the harvest that they were going to cut down. After they were able to bring the sheaves until the barn full and the harvest was complete, they counted 50 days from the time that first sickle hit the grain that it was going to produce. And uh, it took about 50 days for the harvest to be brought in because they didn't have tractors like International Harvesters McCormick or John Deere. So on the 50th day of the first fruits, the people of God gave thanks to God for the harvest. And that is what is now called Pentecost, meaning 50, pente. Since Christians also raised crops and were blessed by God in providing for them and caring for them, they too participated in the festival of the first fruits and they gave thanks to God as well. God's people gave thanks to God for their daily bread, just like the Jews did. The festival of Pentecost then, the festival of 50 days, or also known as the first fruits, was one of several commemorations that defined the people of God, both Jewish and Christian. So it was a similar festival celebrated by both, but on the day of Pentecost, it changed the reason for celebrating it. So much so that Moses commanded that every able-bodied male was required to celebrate Pentecost or first fruits at the temple in Jerusalem. So when we hear in our text that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation, we know why they're there. Both Christ-believing Jews of the resurrection as well as Jews from the Old Covenant were in Jerusalem for the festival of the first fruits to give thanks. But this festival of first fruits, or in Hebrew, Shavuot, weeks, is not only an agricultural celebration of harvest, but also a spiritual commemoration of the tables of the law which were given to Moses. So on this day, people offered their first fruits to God as an offering, and they acknowledged God's covenant, the law, which was given to them through Moses. So you can see where this is headed, right? This was the harvest festival offering first fruits to God and commemoration of the covenant through Moses in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. But on this particular day, the day of Pentecost, it was not merely 50 days after the grain of harvest, or harvest of grain, but also after the harvest of our Lord, after his resurrection. He was the firstborn from the dead raised to life by God the Father. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. We hear Jesus teaching this very thing when he says, Jesus replied, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the solemn truth. 
unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And we hear Paul teaching in 1 Corinthians 15, the great chapter on the resurrection, where he says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his second coming, those who belong to Christ. So Pentecost is 50 days after Christ, our Lord, offered his body in sacrifice to God on our behalf. And as that seed died along with our sin, so it was given to harvest in the resurrection, to new life, not renewed life, new life. So a harvest is a harvest of new life, of a seed that has died out of which God brought forth life. While the primary reason for Shavuot, or the Festival of First Fruits, or Pentecost, whatever you would like to call it, while the primary reason was agricultural, the second meaning was spiritual. On this day, the Jews recognized and celebrated the covenant made with, between Israel and God, the giving of the law. Pentecost, then, happens not as a giving of the law by Moses, but a celebration of the new covenant through the resurrection of Christ. This is not a law. It is given freely to all who believe and has nothing to do with the law. Pentecost, then, transforms the Jewish ritual of law into the faith-filled festival of Christ as the first fruit and, as, and God's word as the message of the gospel of that risen Christ for all believers, both Jew and Gentile. There are also two important parts to Luke's story here in the book of Acts of what happened on the day of Pentecost and what the work of the Holy Spirit is. One, those who speak, and two, those who listen. Both of these are transformative elements. This day transformed the life of the speakers, and it transforms the life of the listeners. The one, the speakers, has to do with the planting of the seed of harvest. The second, the spiritual harvest of the listeners themselves. First, let's look at the transformation of the apostles as the speakers of this new covenant seed. The first important aspect about the day of Pentecost that is essential to grasp is the transformation of the apostles of Jesus from students to teachers, sowers of the seed leading to harvest. One of the remarkable things about the twelve men that Jesus calls to be his students is the fact that he did not call the brightest and the best the way that employers today want the best and most knowledgeable, those who graduated Harvard or Yale. In the gospel, we see their errors, their weaknesses. The disciples trip over their own feet. They ask questions that seemingly lead to the knowledge that they don't understand. So all in all, they are no different than us. But it was not because of their achievements nor their studies that they were called to follow. They are the least qualified among men to be called. It was purely grace, God's mercy, God's election. But after three years of following Jesus and listening to his teaching and witnessing the things that he did, things did not get better, not even after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There is still no solid basis for us or anyone to trust that everything that the disciples will say and teach about Jesus Christ is a true and a perfectly reliable testimony 
of not only what Jesus said and did, but also what it means for us. So God chooses today, this day, the Holy Spirit, to graduate these unlikely to succeed in life students into prophets whose teaching is of his very word. He raised them up by the power of his spirit, the power of his word, not the power of simply the disciples' word. This is the meaning of Jesus' words to these men that we hear in John's Gospel, in chapter 14. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is why, after our Lord ascends into heaven, rather than telling them to go and start preaching and teaching, he tells them to wait. Luke 24 says, You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so on this festival of first fruits, the Holy Spirit marks each one of the apostles with fire and breathes his windy breath into them just as he appeared in fire and wind on Mount Sinai when he spoke to Moses. Here, though, he transforms them into the inspired teachers of the new covenant, of the covenant established in the blood of Christ. Now the disciples understand. As they gaze out over the thousands of people present on this day, while everyone in Jerusalem obeys the law of Moses, while everyone offers God their first fruits of the harvest, God is preparing his own harvest the first fruits of eternal life given from the resurrected seed of his son through the disciples' preaching. Suddenly, Peter begins to preach with authority, connecting the astounding phenomenon taking place to what the prophet Joel in the Old Testament has promised when he says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And whereas the Holy Spirit's activity in the Old Testament was working faith in those who believed under the terms of the Old Covenant of Moses, it was not given, the Holy Spirit was not given as the seal of God's new covenant in Christ. And so, now God doesn't merely give his Holy Spirit through his word to grant faith, he rather pours it out, like water coming out of a pitcher, like water coming out of the baptismal font. He pours it. Can you see that image? Water fills up the empty spaces, the nooks and the crannies. It drenches. It quenches. It covers completely. It's not merely washing your hands. It's taking a whole bath. Every pore, every nook, every cranny filled. The Holy Spirit now is the link between Christ and the believer. He is the seal. Like when you would put sealer over your driveway in order to protect it, in order to preserve it. Or when you seal your patio with that clear stuff now. The permanent presence of Christ in the believer and the believer in Christ. Peter's words then are not his own words. It's not his take on what happened. It's God's word, brought by the Holy Spirit, who gives Peter God's word to preach for a new harvest of a different type. Peter is now planting the seed that will cause the rebirth through faith of those who hear God's word in their own language. 
the seal of God's promise made reality in Christ the Messiah. But then there's also the transformation of the hearers. And so this is the second part of the great transformation that happens in the ears of the hearers of God's word through the apostles. Because not only did the apostles speak in the language of the people, but they, people say that they heard God's word in their own language. So just as there would be no harvest for the festival apart from God's agricultural providence, so spiritually there would be no harvest apart from the work of the Holy Spirit on the apostles of Jesus, neither would there be any harvest apart from the work of the Holy Spirit on those who hear the apostles' word. God's word, the seed, needs to be planted. It is not a natural element in the world. People do not come to God on their own because they are spiritually dead. There is nothing to harvest in sinful mankind. These seeds, sinful mankind, do not produce new life. Paul talks about this in his letter to the Corinthians when he says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them. Paul also writes, No one says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it is not the power of the apostles that transforms or causes the hearing in the Jerusalemites today. It is God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that plants the seed unto the harvest of salvation. For the apostles could talk all they want, and they might attract great crowds of people. But unless the Holy Spirit transforms the listener, we will all come out away either saying they have had too much wine or something else just as dismissive, and that is exactly what happened. Paul writes in Romans 10, How are they to call on one they have not believed in? How are they to believe in one they have not heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How timely is the arrival of those who proclaim the good news! But not all have obeyed the good news, for Isaiah the prophet says, Lord, who believed our report? Consequently, faith comes from hearing, from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. And that's what the hearers here on Pentecost. What's the takeaway for you? This day of harvest of first fruits reminds me of the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. You know, the woman who comes out at midday because the other women around the well would gossip about her because she was not necessarily a woman of great repute. Jesus walks up as his disciples go to fetch some food and offers her not only water, but also the water that will never make her thirst again. He reveals that he is the Messiah. She then runs off and she tells the townspeople and they run to Jesus, hopeful to have found the answer to their insecurity and their loneliness and their meaning in life, but nothing to guide them. And so all of a sudden this whole town comes out and Jesus paints this image with his word as he sees these crowds coming for him. He says, the fields are white with harvest. Can you imagine that? The people in their turbans and white robes running out look like a field that is ripe and white with harvest. He tells his disciples what will be of this harvest without someone to bring them in, to harvest them, to make them fruitful. And you know what? That is like, you know what that's like. Hungering for comfort. 
for security, for life, for hope, to run away from fear. Without God's Spirit in you, you would be dead seed, with no new life, nothing coming to harvest, insecure. But in Christ, you are to be raised, harvested, as you have died in Christ, and you will be raised to new life in him. You are in Christ. The new life that comes from the first fruits of Christ's resurrection has been given to you by the Spirit of the living God through the preaching of his word of salvation and the confession that you make of Jesus Christ as Lord. Not only that, you are sealed with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You are sealed in your baptismal water. In his explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed, Luther writes with the Bible, declares from the beginning and to the end, and says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel and enlightened me with his gift, has sanctified and kept me in this one true faith. And about our baptism, Peter says, you have been born again through the living and abiding word of God. This word is the good news that was preached to you. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, Peter's brilliant sermon on the day of Pentecost would have fallen on hard hearts and deaf ears, and there would have been no harvest. And so Luke reports that when they heard these words of Peter, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Talk about bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the harvest. In your baptism, you were brought in to the harvest. In the baptism, you were given the Holy Spirit who washed away your sins, who sealed you as God's child. This Pentecost has happened to you in your life. His Holy Spirit has opened up your heart and your eyes to know the reality of sin and the mercy and grace of God through Christ our Lord. His Spirit has been poured on you in baptism, and he empowers you with a tongue of fire, no less powerful than those of Peter or Paul or James or John, to talk about what God has done for you. And God has produced a great harvest in your life through Christ. The offering up of your testimony of what he has done for you is an offering from the bounty that he has given you, forgiveness, mercy, grace, eternal life, victory over death. These are the first fruits of what he has done in you and for you through his Son. The day of Pentecost is still in progress today, right now. The harvest has not stopped and is still to be brought in. Every Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, where lives are changed through his word, where new believers in Christ, both adults and children, are baptized. The world is as ripe now as it was at the time of Jesus. Your fields are ripe and white with harvest. People are hungering for the word of God, hungering for water, just like the woman at the well. Your neighbors, relatives, family, friends are all hungry for God's word. They seek comfort to hear words of hope, security, and forgiveness, 
only brought to them through God's word, only brought to them by your testimony that they will enter the harvest. Amen.